0: All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. good. Glad to be here. Um, my wife and I were just talking this morning, uh, standing in the kitchen, and she said a phrase that we've used many times over the years. When we start a new endeavor or kind of go to the next step in something and we say, listen, if, if nothing else, at least we're going to be together. And so I, I'm sure I like all of you and this will be fun, but she's the one that holds it all together for us. So glad that she's along and if it's just us, it's us, right? So that would be great. Get to know her. She's, she's the, the one that holds it all together for us. Um, I, I just want to jump in. Can we do that? Um, one thing you're going to find out about me very quickly is that I love sports. All right? Anyone else? Sports lovers? Let's hear it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I love to play when I can, if I'm capable. I love to watch my kids play. Um, I like to go. I like to watch on TV. Um, I have my loyalties when it comes to the area, but Probably not the day to get into that. We won't do that on the first day. Uh, But uh, um, I particularly like football and basketball. Anyone? We got football and basketball fans? Okay. Well, one of the things I love about football and basketball is, and let's start with football, is the Hail Mary. You know what I'm talking about? It's like um, you need to score. Time is running out. You need everything to work together, and you want your team to throw up the Hail Mary. Happened years ago. Believe it or not, Notre Dame invented the phrase you figure the Hail Mary, all right? Let's throw it deep and see if everything falls our way and we can score. And uh, I, the one that I was thinking about, if, if we have state fans in the room, um, a, a good one, a good example I was thinking about um, for state fans, maybe last year, let's, uh, Russell Wilson was, threw one last year and uh, dropped back, held the pocket, throws a deep golden tape, pushes off and holds some people, catches a ball. And uh, they rule it a touchdown. And the Seattle Seahawks beat the Green Bay Packers. The Hail Mary, it came through. Packers fans, I know we got Packers fans. Um, how about basketball? You'll hear this phrase every once in a while. He, he threw up a prayer, right? The team needs to throw up a prayer. When I'm playing, I throw up a lot of prayers when it comes to basketball. And it's again, it's like you need a shot at the buzzer in order to win the game. And from half court, you know, from behind your back, whatever, you got to get that shot off. You're throwing up a prayer. Again, it, probably the most famous one is like three decades old, right? The 83 National Championship, and Derek Wittenberg, he wasn't shooting, whatever you like to say. He threw up a prayer is what he did, and it was answered by Lorenzo Charles, and he dunks it in, and NC State goes on to beat Houston, right? National champions in basketball, and you, you're still celebrating that. You should still celebrate that. <laughs> we, we're still celebrating that. I can't give it away yet, can I? Uh, <laughs> But, but you've all been there before, I assume, right? Especially it, when the sports prayer is answered and everything goes your way and um, you can be in a, a, a restaurant and everybody jumps in unison, they're yelling, they're screaming, S- complete strangers are hugging one another, high fives, right? And uh, the entire place erupts in unison because you did what you're supposed to do as a sports fan, Right, Your team needs something to happen, and you you expect that to happen. You at least expect them to throw up a prayer, don't you? At least we need to give it a shot. And I'm thinking about in spiritual terms today, and that's where I really want to guide us this morning, is sometimes, at least maybe just for me, when it comes to faith, and I'm throwing up spiritual prayers, sometimes I don't go as big as maybe I think I should. Sometimes I ask for some things that are a little bit more safe, than I think God really deserves. And I want to talk about asking really, really big things today. I mean, if we can throw up a prayer, so to speak, in the sports world, can't we maybe throw up something really big in terms of the spiritual world? And that's kind of how I want to direct you this morning. I mean, maybe it's just me, but um, maybe you tried this in the past, you prayed, and it didn't seem to be working for you. You didn't know how to do it, so to speak. Maybe you gave up. Or maybe you're somebody who's been praying really big things for a long time. I just want to encourage us by the end of our time together today when we leave, that we'll all be inspired to maybe ask God for some really big things. Can we do that? Here we go. Um, A favorite story of mine I want to talk about this morning is about a man named Elijah, and we're going to look at one of his prayers. So if you need a Bible, our ushers would be happy to put one in your hands this morning. Just raise your hand. I... I don't know what I'm supposed to say and not say. Can we first figure this out together, all right? This is not a library lending program, in my opinion. If you didn't bring a Bible because you're lazy, then don't raise your hand, all right? But if you need one, sorry, if you need one, raise your hand and we'll get one in your hands, all right? Here we go. Um, You can find the story in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings chapter 18, but listen to these words first to set the stage for us from the New Testament book of James. This is James 5, 16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So no matter what you believe to be true or not true about prayer, James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Can we say those words together? It is first powerful and it is effective. He goes on, Elijah was a human being as we are. And I stopped there, and I think that's fascinating because Elijah had some pretty cool experiences. I mean, on the one hand, he's a prophet. He gets to speak on God's behalf, but he confronts an evil king to his face. He challenges a national religion and a woman who's become famous by the name of Jezebel. He got to experience time alone with God in the wilderness and be fed miraculously by ravens. I mean, these aren't normal occurrences, are they? He raised a boy back to life. He climbs a mountain and goes into a showdown, a spiritual showdown with the king and 850 of his evil minions, and he calls fire down from heaven, and God does a miracle, and yet James says he was human just like we are. And interestingly, what he gets mentioned for are these next words. He earnestly prayed, and he earnestly prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So I want to look at this prayer in Old Testament, 1 Kings 18. If you got one of the house Bibles, I think it's 247, page 247. But Elijah's prayer for rain gives us a few things, guidelines, I think humans, just as we are, can follow and maybe do the same thing Elijah does here. So here's how I want to frame it. Powerful and effective prayers and there are four things Elijah does. Here we go. Powerful and effective prayers, number one, if you take notes, our first, humble. 1 Kings 18, 42 picks up the story. Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bent down toward the ground, and then he put his face between his knees. So the first thing he does is he climbs back up to the top of the mountain where he just had this really great victory. He has... Um, had the sight of his great triumph, he's going back to the place that represents relationship with God, and he's physically humbling himself. Now, I I tried this last night. I assume he's sitting, all right? He puts his face between his knees, or else he's extremely flexible. I'm not sure which it is. But he has his face between his knees before God, and it is a physical picture of what his condition is spiritually, So, he first places his attention on God, not his need, so that he makes sure that he's submitted to God as he prays. And he prays, God, hear this prayer. God, I want you to move in my life. I I want you to do something great. I want you to show your power to these people. And Elijah starts that prayer by first being humble. A, A pastor and an author that I really respect and admire by the name of Louis Giglio is also the founder of an organization called the Passion Conference. And in May of 2000, he organized the first one day conference for college students to come together and worship. And thousands of students showed up to a farm, Shelby Farm, outside of Memphis, Tennessee. It had been raining for days. The forecast was for continued rain. And here Louis was with his leaders and thousands of students. And he said, We need to get together and we need to pray. Let's ask God to do something really big. And so they started to pray. They were praying specifically that God would stop the rain. Even though you look on the radar, it's green, it's yellow, it's red over the entire state of Tennessee. Louis had gathered his leaders and they began to pray. And here's his prayer. Lord, we've gathered, we've come to this gathering for your name and your fame. Hold off the rain. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. And as they were praying, you could see, unfold on the Doppler that while there was a near hurricane happening around Memphis in the eye of that storm was Shelby Farm and it and it didn't rain. And it was an amazing thing. They're praying for something big to happen, and they were doing it in a humble way. In other words, God, this isn't really about us. We acknowledge that it's really about you. We want this to happen for your name. And this is what Elijah's doing. God, I want you to move in a powerful way. But first of all, he puts himself in position to acknowledge that God is God, and he's the servant. So powerful and effective prayers are first humble. If you want to write this down, the second thing is they're specific So again, Elijah's assumed this posture of prayer, and he's focused on one specific thing. God, we need rain. It's been three and a half years, and I'm begging you to come through. Now, we'll read in just a second that he sends his servant to get a weather report and come back, tell me, because he's looking for a sign. He's looking for one specific thing. I'm looking to see if God is really going to bring rain. Rain, very specific. I'm looking for one thing. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of my prayers tend to lean towards being very generic. You know what I'm talking about? God bless me. God watch over me. God do, do something for me. Take care of me. God, you know, help me. Even my dinner prayers have become very routine. So I'm looking for new material. Anybody, your dinner prayers, it's like God thanks for the food. Amen. Let's go for it, you know? But have you noticed how kids' prayers, I mean, kids' prayers are very specific. They're very specific. A little over 10 years ago, our daughter, Jessica, was having a a major sinus surgery. And uh, it was a little unsettling. We're not exactly sure what's going to happen. She was um, just seven years old, almost seven years old at the time. And uh, they had told her, you can't eat for 24 hours. And for a seven, I mean, for for me, that's a big deal. For a seven-year-old, that's a big deal. And so we had gathered the whole family around the living room and were praying for her. And she said that she wanted to say a prayer for herself. So she prayed this. She says, God, I pray that tomorrow I won't be scared and also that it won't hurt too bad and I pray that I won't be hungry. Yeah, that's an awesome prayer, isn't it? I mean, very, very, very specific. Now, about the same time, the van we were driving was in an accident and had been totaled. And this was the only van we had known to this point in our life. Our kids were very attached to it. They actually rode, took a ride over to um, uh, where the van was Being scrapped and had their, our girls had their picture taken with it. This is how much they they love this thing, but very traumatic thing. So, Jessica, again, she's seven at the time, she takes it upon herself to begin praying and she was praying and she would work it into meal prayers God, give us a van. Very specific. God, give us a van, give us a van. And then one night she deviated for whatever reason and she prayed, God, give us a van. Or a Jeep would be okay too. But she's being very, very specific. And interestingly enough, a few months later, through a series of crazy events, we ended up with this fantastic deal on a van. Would you believe that? And after we had kind of forgotten a lot about that um, year, maybe two years later, someone said, "Hey, I got a great deal on a Jeep." And so I'm driving a Jeep today as well. This is pretty fantastic. People actually start hearing about this amazing connection she had and asked her to pray for all kinds of things. Help me make some friends, we want to get pregnant, and she was praying about all kinds of things. But I love what we learn from kids. It's, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? Nothing fancy, just being very specific and believing that God really can do the impossible that we're asking for. Now, sidebar, I'm certainly not saying that God answers all of our prayers this way in dramatic fashion. But I am saying that sometimes, at least for myself, my prayers are so generic that I can't even be sure if God's answered it or not. And so I'm asking you to be specific, right? And that's what Elijah does. He comes before God in complete humility. He simply prays very specifically, God, we need rain. Now, here's the third element to powerful and effective prayer. They're persistent, right? right? They're persistent. Here's where the story picks up in verse 43. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. So he went up and he looked. I don't see anything there, he said. And seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant said, okay, I got something. I see a cloud. I see a cloud. It's as small as a man's hand and it's coming up over the sea. Now I've tried to go back through this story and I can't really tell, but I don't know how long this entire prayer process actually takes for Elijah. But he sends his servant to check the weather seven different times. Isn't that the way it works with prayer sometimes if you've prayed before? It's like you, you, you pray and it seems like we have to wait on God's timing and it's definitely not ours. The servant comes back. Hey, there's nothing there. Elijah prays again. Go check it out. God, we need rain. Show your power. Now check it out. Again, 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 and again. And not the fifth time that he comes back and not the sixth time that he, that he comes back. And this is what I really love about Elijah is he doesn't throw in the towel because God's not moving quickly enough. He's throwing out great prayers, and God's not doing anything, but he's believing he's going to, so he stays at it. He's persistent. It's kind of like the way that I might come to your house and ring the doorbell. Some of you are like this because people visit my house, and they'll ring the doorbell, and if I don't get there fast enough, they're already gone. You ever do that? I mean, you might peek around, but if people aren't moving fast enough, you just kind of move on, and sometimes that's the way we treat God With prayer, he's not answering, so we move on. But Elijah doesn't do that. He's still believing that God will come through. And on the seventh time, on the seventh time, the prayer of a righteous man becomes powerful and effective. I I, I don't know about you. I have things I've been praying about for years. And God hasn't moved on them yet, but I'm still praying about them. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if that's you, if you have something you've been praying about for a long time, to not give up. I want to encourage you to be persistent. If you've been praying for a spouse, if you've been praying for a child, if you've been praying for a job, keep at it. Keep at it. Be persistent. Go back one more time and ask God. If you've been praying about finances, if you've been praying about a decision, if you've been trying to beat an addiction, to conquer a habit... If you have been praying for a friend to accept Christ or just to even come and visit church, go back at it one more time because it might not be the fourth time, it might not be the fifth time, it might not be the sixth time, but maybe on the seventh time, God might choose for whatever reason at that moment to move in a powerful way on your behalf. And can I ask you this morning, I mean, is there something maybe that you gave up on in prayer that you need to go back to? And maybe it's one of those things there. You just didn't see God moving in a certain way, and so you gave up. But I believe God is here saying, hey, don't give up. Keep at it. Keep going. Don't stop. We're so close. It's time to bless you. Keep at it one more time. And you've asked God before, but listen, it might just be the next time. When you say, God, would you do this? Would you move? It might be the next time that God does that. Powerful and effective prayers, right? They're humble. They're specific They're persistent. Finally, they're expectant. This is such an inspiring part of the story for me. Verse 44, the servant comes back. I see a cloud. It's as small as a man's hand. It's coming up over the sea. And Elijah said, go to Ahab. He's the king. Tell him, tie your chariot to your horse. Go down to Jezreel before the rain stops you. So Elijah, right, he's got a servant checking the weather on the ones every 10 minutes. Finally, there's something to actually report. And he doesn't come back and report, hey, I see a giant thundercloud. We better run for it. He doesn't report that. He doesn't say it's a massive frontal system. He says it's a small cloud. It's, It's far away. It's about the size of a man's hand. And that's just enough for Elijah to believe that God is about to do something great. Here's Elijah. Come on, people. we got to get moving. we got to get things together. (laughs) Tell Ahab, get the wagon ready. It's about ready to downpour. And I love the fact that Elijah, in his human eye, saw a small cloud. But through his faith, he saw God's great promise. A pastor by the name of Jim Sembala, who pastors Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York, wrote a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And he writes these words. He says, I despaired at the thought that my life might slip by, without seeing God show himself mightily on my behalf. I've taken that sentence and I've used that as a prayer in a lot of different ways over the years, just saying, God, I don't wanna miss out on something that you wanna do in my life and through my life. And I believe, God, that you wanna do more in my life. You want me to be part of more than what I've already experienced. And, I, you know, and I, I've seen God do some really great things in my life. I've seen God do some really great things in churches that we've been a part of. And yet I'm still praying, God, I think you can do more. I don't want to miss out on you doing something really miraculous. And I can tell you that that belief right there, it's just a glimpse. I have just a glimpse. It's like the size of a man's fist rising up over the ocean. That God wants to do really great things in your life, but in this church. That's why my wife and our family and I decided we're going to take that risk. We're going to jump in. We're going to join in with what is happening here at LifePoint because I have just a glimpse. And I don't have a lot of credibility to tell you how I arrived at that. It's just something I believe. That we're about to see God do some great things here. It's like a cloud the size of a hand that turns into a thunderstorm. That I believe this church right here is going to grow into something that you haven't seen and can't really comprehend. I'm expecting that. Could we expect that together? Could we do that? Could we ask God for that? So here's Elijah. Just enough glimpse that God's about to move in powerful ways. And he does. Verse 45. Black clouds filled the sky. Wind came up. Heavy rain began to fall. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Now what I think is one of the funniest parts of any story in all of Scripture, verse 46. The power of the Lord came on Elijah. He tucked his coat into his belt And he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, you have to understand, this is very comical. Imagine that, right? He sends Ahab off in a chariot. And you get your vehicle together, and he gives him a head start. And then Elijah decides to jog. He takes off on a little stroll. And it's 16 miles from Mount Carmel back to Jezreel. So he just takes off jogging. He's feeling so good; his legs are doing great that he passes the chariot of Ahab. And I don't know what you do if you pass a chariot. I don't. I've never done that before. You're out for a jog. You pass a guy on a bike. Wouldn't that be awesome? You pass a car, that's moving. What do you do? I guess he waves. Hey, I'll catch you back at the palace. You know. And uh, here's what I think, and we'll wrap up this way. I think Elijah is running on the power of answered prayer. That's what I think he's doing. Because if you've ever prayed really big in your life and you've seen God answer it in what you would call a miraculous way, doesn't it inspire you? I mean, doesn't it just lift you up? Doesn't it just boost you and give you that spiritual energy to just keep going and say, wow, you're never going to believe what happened. You're never going to believe what God did. So what if we prayed this way? What if you prayed this way? What if as a church we prayed this way and we prayed in humility We were specific about what we were asking. We were persistent. We stayed with it. And most of all, we were expectant that God might move in great and powerful ways. What if we did that? I think we'd be powered by some answered prayer that could really carry us a long ways, not for our name, but for God's name. Let us pray for us this morning. God, thank you so much for the morning. Thank you for uh, time to worship, to sing, to read scripture. Lord, thank you for these words and from this story that we could be challenged and inspired to maybe pray bigger prayers. God, I just pray on behalf of this church. It's not the only church. It's not the greatest church, God, but it's your church. God, we're believing that you want to do great things in our lives and through the life of this place to see more people come to know you, to be connected in a relationship with you. God, I believe that greater things can happen through this place, in this city. And we're asking for you to show up in great and powerful ways. God, we expect that. And God, when those things do happen, we'll give you all the credit for those great answers to prayer. And we pray all these things today through Jesus. Amen.